Thank you for tuning in to The Way Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to showcase the way that God wants us to live by looking at what is written in His Word. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is That Way. Here is your host, Houston Welch. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Houston Welch, and today uh, I'm here with my good brother and, and good friend, Chase Green, and we have a beautiful uh, passage, a beautiful chapter of the Bible to discuss today. We're going to be taking a look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is um, it's the, the text regarding uh, what is known as the suffering uh, servant. And we're going to notice that it's alluded to many times in the New Testament. Many of the um, speakers or um, authors of the New Testament make direct reference. They quote it many times. And so we're going to look at it, find out who it's talking about, um, and, and make due application. Now, one of, the, one of the first things that I want us to do is look at some interpretations of Isaiah 53 and also, one thing that, that we might want to mention is that Isaiah 53, the, the text of the suffering servant, doesn't start in Isaiah 53, verse 1. It actually is backed up uh, to verse 13. And instead of reading the entirety of this chapter, we're not going to do that, though we will read um, several of these verses. But Chase, what are, what are some other views of or what are some some modern views of this text some modern interpretations of isaiah 53 and the suffering servant well houston i appreciate you having me on the podcast again this week and uh this is certainly like you said a, a beautiful text of the bible uh, when we talk about modern views of isaiah 53 of course really you think about it you could go to the modernist view which is basically modernist are what we might term liberal scholarship, and, and that is the idea that they don't really believe the Bible is inspired. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't believe in prophecies and in miracles and different things that the, the Bible records. So you could take that view. Uh, certainly that is uh, blatantly uh, in error. Uh, but the one that I found to be very interesting was the modern Jewish view regarding Isaiah 53, and that is basically, if I understood their idea of it correctly, they do not see Jesus in this passage. Rather, they see themselves, mm -hmm. uh, the Jewish nation, as the ones who are suffering throughout history. And uh, honestly, until uh, you sent me over your notes to study this for this episode, I hadn't really thought much about that. Uh, but that is definitely an interesting viewpoint. I think, though, uh, Houston, we're going to notice some major flaws to mm -hmm. that viewpoint here in this episode. Yes, absolutely. And I will say this, that it doesn't come without merit. I mean, but it's also like with any other uh, text of the Bible, if you refuse to believe what, um, what the scriptures say, but you still want to, quote unquote, believe the scriptures, you can try to find a way or you can find a way even to make it fit your own um, narrative or your, it fit in 
your own belief system and the 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 Jews or the rabbis they say that if you read Isaiah um, the entirety of Isaiah um, through just like you would a novel which is the the proper way to to read Isaiah it's the proper way to read any um, book of the Bible then they they believe or that they state that there's no way that you can interpret it to mean Jesus now from a Christian's perspective we have the, the New Testament. We have the Old Testament revealed in the New Testament, so we know exactly what this passage is talking about. We know that because the Holy Spirit has proven uh, Scripture to us. We have been convicted of Scripture itself, so we believe the New Testament. And it once you see it this way, it makes um, it makes it so clear for us. But they take, I believe it's Isaiah 40, uh, verses 1 through 4, Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 6, um, Isaiah 50, uh, a few verses in Isaiah 50, and um, Isaiah 53. All they, they, they define these as the four servant um, songs. And in one of those, in Isaiah 42, I believe it is, it does say Israel, my servant, and it is not talking about Jesus. But just because in Isaiah 42, uh, God calls Israel his servant doesn't mean that in the other three uh, texts, Isaiah 40, Isaiah 50, Isaiah 53, that it's talking about Israel there. In fact, it makes no reference to Israel being a servant. Now, in many other places throughout Isaiah and throughout the Old Testament, Israel is called uh, a servant of God, but there are several um, errors that we could point out with that thinking from Isaiah 50 alone. Um, Chase, could you um, maybe uh, mention a couple of those as to why this view uh, that Israel is the suffering servant, why that cannot be so? Well, if if you just look at that idea, just for a moment, it's really absurd because if you read Isaiah 53, it's clearly saying, you know, you have to read in between the lines a little bit, but the New Testament helps us figure this out. But it's clearly teaching that this particular servant in Isaiah 53 is going to die for and more importantly, save people. And it's absurd to think that the Jewish nation as a whole, they're going to die for themselves and save themselves? Well, no, this is clearly talking about a forthcoming Messiah. Mm -hmm. And uh, another point that you alluded to at the beginning of this podcast episode is that we've got all these writings in the New Testament that uh, explain that for us very clearly. Uh, the inspired writers, uh, the apostles, they say several times, this is what Isaiah was talking about essentially. Uh, Jesus even, uh, I believe, mentions that, hey, this is what Isaiah was talking about. And so a very critical part of studying our Bibles is when someone, when an inspired writer says, hey, this prophet spoke about this, we need to go back and read those prophecies and make those proper connections. I'll give you one unrelated example. When Peter quotes from the prophet Joel in Acts chapter 2, Essentially, he's saying, hey, look, this is what Joel was talking about, uh, that your young men shall dream dreams, your old men shall see visions, et cetera, et cetera. Well, where do we find that? Well, we find that in Joel chapter 2. 
And so any application from Joel chapter two that does not uh, add up and correspond to Acts chapter two is the wrong application. The same could be said with these prophecies that we find being fulfilled uh, from Isaiah 53 and all the messianic uh, prophecies and, and prophecies of the church uh, being fulfilled in the New Testament. They clearly point uh, backwards and forwards to one another. Exactly. And, and I think, I think one of the, the keys to note there is that all of these things are, are, are clear whenever you view them in the light of, of Jesus. It's, it's a direct fulfillment. And that's how prophecy is, is proven to be true. That's how God proves himself is whenever he says something, and then it ha happens to turn out to be true. God is, is tried and true in that manner. One other thing, um, and, it's, and it's exactly what Isaiah um, uh, states here, that shows that there's no way that Israel could be it. Because in verse 9 of Isaiah 53, it says, He's made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, which we can, we can look at that in the New Testament of how, how that um, come to be. Uh, like it's mentioned, he's numbered among the transgressors, but also the tomb that he was laid in was a, a wealthy man's tomb. But then notice the next two, two statements. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. So there, I know it can't be talking about literal, physical Jacob, the man, because Jacob was a deceiver. But right. I also know that it can't be talking about the nation Israel because we can look at the history of nation and notice their many sins. So there is no way that we can read Isaiah 53 simply for this one singular verse, let alone the other direct references to Jesus. But whenever you look at it in the light of Jesus, in the light of his Messiahship, every one of these were fulfilled in him. It is clearly uh, speaking about him. And we're going to look at a few of these places where uh, the New Testament authors or New Testament speakers um, quote um, th this, this psalm. Now, not every verse of, excuse me, this psalm, not every verse of Isaiah 53 is, is quoted in the New Testament, though there are some significant quotations uh, found therein. Isaiah, um, uh, Chase, could you start us off um, with one of those references? Sure. Well, if you want to just walk through these verses, uh, we can start with verse number one. And even though not every verse is quoted, a lot of these verses are at least alluded to mm -hmm. uh, in the New Testament. And so we'll kind of point that out as we go through. But verse number one says, uh, looking at the text in Isaiah, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed? If you look at John 12, verse 38, that text says that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. So that, that's a clear indicator. You can't miss it. Mm -hmm. Which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? If you look at uh, Romans 10, verses 16 and 17 as well, it says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. And Paul is lamenting the fact that not everyone obeyed the gospel here in Romans 10, verse 16. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? By the way, just a side note, there's an equation going on there between believing and obeying. And we yeah. don't need to miss that. 
Uh, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we hear and believe and have faith in the gospel, we obey it. Where does that come from? It comes from believing that report that Isaiah talked about way back in Isaiah 53, mm -hmm. prophecy. Yeah, I, I want to take a time to mention there, you mentioned the equation between obeying the gospel and believing the report, you believe, then you will obey. And that's, we've discussed that before on the podcast, that that's the very, um, that, that's the very definition of biblical belief. It's not only, it's not simply believing in something like we view a belief today, but it's believing enough to act on it. It's, it's, right. it's that song we sing, trust and obey. That's what faith is. But also notice, obeyed the gospel, believed our report. So this report that Isaiah is mentioning in Isaiah 53, that entire chapter of Isaiah 53, talking about Jesus being um, uh, stricken for our iniquities, he bore, he bore our sins, bore our iniquities, the suffering servant, that is the gospel. That's the gospel message. But I want us also, while we're looking at, at verse one, to, to understand or to try to better understand to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? What is that statement um, or what is that phrase, the arm of the Lord? What does that mean, Chase? That's a very good question. The arm of the Lord, if, I'm, if I understand correctly, it's indicating power. Yes. Yeah. When we, we, let's just put this in simple terms. If we work out our arms, uh, the stronger you get and the more you work out, the more powerful your arms become. Well, the arm of the Lord deals with his power. And certainly we think about God's power to save. Romans 1.16, uh, Paul wrote, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Exactly. First yeah. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. But unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So the arm of the Lord, that's dealing with the power. This is how God chooses to save us. It's his power to save. And it's in the fact that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that the Jews were expecting uh, in a sense that he was not what they were expecting in, in the yeah, sense that yeah. they thought he would be an earthly ruler. but. But they should have been expecting him because the the signs were clear. Well, that, I think that's that's exactly it, Chase. I mean, when most people think of the arm of the Lord, yes, that is that is something denoting power, denoting authority. And like you stated, they were expecting an earthly ruler, and like many people are expecting today, they're expecting an earthly ruler, some some mighty physical king to conquer all of the nations. That's not the arm of the Lord. Who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord or the power of God revealed? What is the power of God? Like you mentioned, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 18. The power of God is the gospel. It's the message of Isaiah 53. To whom has it been revealed? All those who believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he has died for our sins. Right, and it, it's really unexpected by so many. I mean, you look at Romans, I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 again, 
it, it deals with the wisdom of God compared to man's wisdom. Man's wisdom did not expect God to do this the way that he did it. He sent a humble servant, a, a poor man, uh, and Isaiah, as Isaiah is going to get into in a little bit, he had, what, no form or comeliness. Uh, he was not expected mm-hmm. to, to be this handsome man. No, he, he was uh, far different than what people expected. And I'm looking here in First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. They just couldn't wrap their minds around this. Yeah, he wasn't. Even though he did draw all men unto him, um, uh, as as he's quoted in John saying, uh, he it's still there was nothing that that we think of that that should have attracted us to him. That the the message that he was preaching was simple, uh, and it was truth. And also, like Isaiah says. There was no there was no form or or comeliness to him, uh, no no appearance of him that would make him uh, draw us to him. But rather, it was what he did. It was his sacrifice that that draws us to him. I want us to look down in verse um, verse four because here is another um, another passage that's referenced in the New Testament. Uh, verse four: Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, uh, smitten of God and afflicted, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But this one is, is mentioned quite a bit, uh, referenced quite a bit. Um, but I want us to look at, at Matthew chapter 8, uh, verses 16 and 17, in reference to, the, to that. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Jesus, uh, if you study, study Matthew, you find that he goes through these spells, or he's recorded as going through these spells, Matthew records him preaching and then performing miracles. So several chapters, he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then several chapters after that, he's healing the sick while he's also dispensing truth. And then after we we have these these healings recorded, then he goes back and we have um, preaching. And then it goes through this cycle, or at least Matthew records this cycle. But in Matthew 8, uh, verses 16 and 17, uh, we have a healing cycle or a healing spell. In verses 16 and 17, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So there, uh, Matthew makes that to to mention physical um infirmities and physical sicknesses though we know that the healings of any physical infirmities sicknesses ailments etc was uh, to to show us that jesus also uh, will heal us of our spiritual sicknesses our spiritual infirmities our spiritual ailments Um, chase do you have any comments on that well, just looking at this verse, uh, that it might be fulfilled, that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus Christ, he got sick, just like we do. He, he dealt with the same stuff that we do. And why did he do it? He did it for us. I'm, you know, 
for the longest time, I had never thought about that, but he was in so many ways like a regular person. Now we know he's God in the flesh, but he made himself just like us, which would include taking on our infirmities and bearing our sicknesses. What a tremendous sacrifice Jesus uh, went through, not just the sacrifice we usually think of on the cross, but the sacrifice of coming down here and living with us too. Yes. Yeah. And that, that is one of the hard parts to wrap our minds around that he was 100% God in the flesh, but he was also in the flesh. He was 100% man as well. And it's hard for us to, to realize everything that goes along with that. And, and I think that it, there's a reason why um, that it's not ever really mentioned in the new Testament of Jesus getting sick or anything like that. And perhaps there's, there's a good reason for that, but we can't conclude that that he never did get sick. And like you said, he bore our sicknesses or bore our um, our infirmities. I think that that certainly goes along with that. Um, uh, another, uh, Chase, could you uh, find another reference for us in the, in the New Testament yeah. of Isaiah 53? Yeah, let's look at verse 5. Uh, by, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Look at uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Mm -hmm. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Again, you cannot read the Old Testament and New Testament together without and come to any other conclusion than Isaiah 53 is being written by G, about uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and this, is, and this is one of the places in the Old Testament um, that explicitly states, yes, we have, we have illusions and, and shadows of um, Jesus being the sacrifice for our sins and, and cleansing us from, from our unrighteousness in, in Leviticus and in Exodus being the Passover lamb, et cetera. But this is one of those clear places in the Old Testament that states outright, out front, that Jesus did, in fact, die for our sins. And he is the reason why, uh, why we have forgiveness of sins. He's the only reason why we have yeah. for forgiveness of sins today. I want, us to, I want us to conclude on that, but I want to also just give reference to a couple more passages in Luke 22, verse 37, it said, and also um, Chase mentioned a, a passage, the parallel account in Mark, the latter part of, of that book, uh, where it says that he was numbered among the transgressors. Uh, First Peter also mentions that as well, that he was numbered among the transgressors, implying that right there um, on both sides of him were, uh, were, were wicked men. And then Acts chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, uh, that uh, whenever Philip um, met the eunuch and the eunuch was reading Isaiah chapter 53 and he started um, in that self-same verse and he preached unto him Jesus from yep. there. But I want us to conclude uh, as a reminder to us all that Jesus did in fact die for our sins, that he had to die for our sins, that there was no other way for us to find forgiveness, but God did send him for us, for our sacrifice, we should be ever grateful for him. Yeah, an old word that we uh, don't use as much as we should, 
propitiation. That's exactly what Jesus Christ was. He was the propitiation. That is, he was the appeasement mm-hmm. uh, and the, the substitute for our sins on the cross. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chase, brother, I appreciate you um, being on with us for this season. Uh, we do appreciate um, all of our listeners. We thank you for tuning in. Go check out Chase's podcast, the Everyday Christian Podcast. What day does that air, Chase? Uh, on Mondays at Scattered Abroad. Yes. But of course, you can check out his podcast any day of the week. You don't have to wait until uh, Mondays to listen to it, though that's when his new episodes air. Um, and go check out one of our sistering podcasts, whether it be the Everyday Christian Podcast, the Far Better Podcast, Transform, Diligent, Weathering the Storm, etc. cetera. Uh, we, we appreciate you. Um, go share this with somebody who you think it might help. Um, and uh, like I said before, we do appreciate you and have a good day.